Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. All right, welcome to Combine Week on NFL Live. Well, Jack and Diane action. Jack Collinsworth, Diana Rossini, Super Bowl champ Ryan Clark, one of all-time favorite Bengals. Andrew Hawkins will also be with us here shortly. Let's get straight into the biggest story of the day. You know by now Patriots owner Robert Kraft is continuing to fight, or he will fight, two counts of soliciting another to commit prostitution. Police said there is video of Kraft inside a Palm Beach County massage parlor. A spokesperson for Kraft said they categorically deny that Mr. Kraft engaged in any illegal activity. This is, of course, a story that will continue to unwind for months to come. So with that, we will go straight to Florida now where Michelle Steele is live in Jupiter. Michelle, what's the latest with this story right now? Yeah, well, you know what, Jack? It appears that a formal arrest warrant for Patriots owner Robert Kraft is really at hand here. Uh, the state attorney for Palm Beach County has just called for a press conference at the top of the hour at 2 o'clock. So assuming that arrest warrant has been signed off on by a judge, Kraft or his attorneys will be served with that warrant later today. Now, a bit of a complicating factor here that I should mention, Kraft is the only one of the 25 men that were charged by the Jupiter Police Department twice, not once, for soliciting prostitution. Because of that, it's the state attorney that needs to formally decide whether to charge him with both of those counts or to consolidate into one. If it's both, I should say here that the second misdemeanor can be treated, Jack, as a third-degree felony. That's according to criminal defense lawyers I'm speaking with. Mm. So, so Michelle, what, what's next now in terms of the timeline moving forward? Yeah, that's the big question is what happens to Robert Kraft? Well, I'm told that he is actually required to be here in person to be booked and to be processed. I suspect that his attorneys are actually speaking with prosecutors to negotiate some kind of self-surrender. But in Florida, for this kind of misdemeanor, you actually don't need to appear in court for an arraignment. So I'm assuming that his attorneys at that point will kind of take the wheel and uh, file either a guilty or not not guilty plea. And as far as evidence is concerned, the prosecution will be sharing whatever, say, receipts they have from the massage parlor or even video evidence. They do say that they do have video evidence of Kraft both entering and receiving those services. All right, Michelle, great stuff. Thank you very much. We'll be back to you later on in the show. The NFL released this statement today. Our personal conduct policy applies equally to everyone in the NFL. We will handle this allegation in the same way we would handle any issue under the policy. We are seeking a full understanding of the facts while ensuring that we do not interfere with an ongoing law enforcement investigation. We will take appropriate action as it is warranted based on the facts. Let's get Diana Rossini in right now. What are you hearing about how this news was received around the league? Well, Jack, let's go back to Friday where it was the biggest story in the country. It was leading every single newscast. And the word shock was probably the most common word from talking to coaches and GMs and even an owner. And that was Friday. And I checked back in with a few yesterday afternoon, and it seemed to temper down quite a bit. But this one owner I spoke to, he said, look, this is strike three for the Patriots, right? We got Deflategate. We got Spygate. Well, you know, I'm sure we'll come up with an appropriate word for, for what this will be. But in terms of how Robert Kraft is looked at, he believed that this would be the biggest blemish of all three of those. And I said, you know, it's not even football related, though. He said, I understand this, but in terms of how this looks for the Patriots organization, Robert Kraft is a shoo-in Hall of Famer. He will be in the Hall of Fame. But in terms of the process of getting there, this is now going to be a blemish next to his name going forward if he is found guilty. And that's also another message that was sent to me. It was like, let's just see and wait and get more information. I did have one coach in the division point out. He said, let's not forget that Robert Kraft has also given back to a lot of charity. And one of those charities was human trafficking in the city of Boston, $100,000 he gave last year. So we all do need to sit and wait and find out more of the facts here as this investigation continues, Jack. And we will. Throughout, throughout the show, we'll give you everything that we have. So we'll go from one front-page story now to another that's been 
blockbuster news throughout. Mr. Antonio Brown. The most dramatic saga in football is taking place right now. I'm pissed off. We losing. But obviously, I don't want to betray. You know, I'm still grateful to put on my uniform. I threw it to the place I thought he was going to be able to make the play. I talked to AB. AB, you have to come flat. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. Yeah. The bottom line is that we we're playing a significant game, and he didn't do a good enough job of communicating. Brown officially requests a trade. Brown used the term owner's mentality when describing Nick Ben. Hey, yo, score, I want a hungry wide receiver who's the best in the whole world. Somebody hit my phone. All right, so there you go. You see A.B. We're back at the desk now. We have Ryan Clark, Andrew Hawkins joining us as well as we go. The Steelers have laid out these loose parameters for A.B. Uh, and a trade partner. In its simplest form, they'd like to exclude New England and any AFC North teams as well. Steelers GM Kevin Colbert also left the door open, cracked open at least for a higher, highest offer situation. So we'll see if that comes. That sets us up for overreaction Monday. Which reads at this time, the Steelers should take the best offer no matter the team. We'll start with you, Hawk. What do you think? Absolutely. You have to get this capital. The Steelers are in a situation where they have to rebuild. They finished third last year in the division. That is not usual Steeler territory. They're not in the position to start sectioning off teams or offers that they could build their franchise back up and put them back where they need to be. So wrong. There he goes. This is an overreaction. He's like, they got, they need the capital, and nobody worried about the capital. They wasn't with Antonio Brown shooting in the gym, right? When he was drafted in the sixth round to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's like me and you, man. We super tight, and you're like, hey, RC, man, I got something going, bro. I'm gonna shoot you some money, help you build your business. I build my business, build my business, and then instead of coming to you, the partner, when I get this big conglomerate, I go to your opponent. I go to your enemy. You don't let him be that close because now you got to hear people talk about how Antonio Brown is killing it for the Cleveland Browns. Oh, by the way, they're first in the AFC North. They're hosting a playoff game, and you're still third in the division. You don't get it anywhere close where you got to see him twice or see him once, or he can keep you out of the big game. This will definitely be the first time ever. Uh, I am all in with Ryan uh, Clark. I'm calling overreaction here. You look at it this way. First of all, send, just send him to the NFC. You don't want to see him twice a season. You don't want to hear about him. You know, when you think about a trade that worked out for the team that picked him up and that an owner and the GM now have to hear about it, Amari Cooper. Think about the Raiders now when they see that situation. It worked in Dallas for him. You think this, it's like a cautionary tale. You think the Steelers want to go through that? You think well, they want to hear about how great he did because they dealt him to the team that he wanted to? How empowered is AB going to feel? The two things that you guys are mixing in with business that you never do is emotion and pride. Either he's good enough to be on your team, either you make him stay there as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you win, otherwise it's business. Remove I'm your pride. Actually, I'm Remove actually, your emotion. I'm actually ashamed of you. Go get the money. That's the reason about it's the reason, Go get the picks. Go get the, the plays. Reason, your defense No, but you're missing because this is what you're missing. This is not a business decision, right? A business decision would have been, Antonio Brown, you can no longer play. We don't think you're good enough to get the contract that we agreed to. So now we're moving on. That wasn't it. Antonio Brown became a person they couldn't deal with. There was a level of pettiness to his actions. So in petty form, which I am all here for, (laughs) Kevin Colbert says, well, you know what? We're going to make sure you're not anywhere close to us where the circus can come Mm -hmm. back to town. If if it was a situation like she mentioned Amari Cooper, they, they didn't like Amari Cooper, right? John Gruden didn't like the way he approached football. He didn't like the fact that his production had dropped from his first two years. So they were actually getting rid of a player that they thought getting a first-rounder back was a win. They was just wrong. In this situation with Antonio Brown, you know he can play ball. So he's going to go somewhere else and play ball. There are three suitors. They are not in a position to be picky. Deal him to whoever gives you the best deal because you're trading one of the best receivers of our generation away. Get what you can to build your franchise back to where you need to be. So you're going to send him to Tom Brady? I'm just saying. So there's for somebody with such a great suit, I can't believe that. that There's a lot of there's a whole lot worse teams, worse situations that AB can land in. I know he wants to post a picture in San Fran jersey and all the stuff, which would be cool, Silicon Valley. I get it. They stink too. Well, he could go way backwards with this too. (laughs) 
How careful does he need to be through this process? He needs to be very careful. And there's a reason why I like him with the San Francisco 49ers. I was in New England with Garoppolo for like a cup of coffee. We would go and practice. They put this crazy playbook in my face to learn the plays. So I'm like nervous. I'm trying to learn them. I said, Jimmy, I'm going with the twos. I said, hey, on this route, what should I do? He says, just do it. I'm like, no, well, specifically tell me what I need to do to help you out. Listen, get open. I will throw you the ball wherever you are. We went out there. That's exactly what he did. He's an off-script quarterback. Antonio Brown is an off-script wide receiver. He needs a quarterback that is going to be able to play off of him. If he goes to a situation where it's all timing, if he goes to a situation where it's straight system, he's going to get frustrated because he's not going to put up the numbers that he did in Pittsburgh. And at this point in his career, he has to put up big numbers. Real quickly, Ryan, because the way that he's kind of treated the Steelers through this process, going very public with everything, are they more inclined to maybe trade him somewhere he might not want to be? How do you see well, this? Well, I mean, you would like to, right? But when you've already taken out four teams that you can't trade him to, you can't be that level of petty, although <laughs> I would be here for it. So what you have to do is make sure you can get something back from him. Even if you send him to the Green Bay Packers, who have an extra first-round pick, I know you would hate to see it because he's going to go for 1,600 mm-hmm. and 15 mm-hmm. touchdowns opposite Devontae Adams, and they're going to be amazing. But that's maybe a place you can send him and get the picks that you want back. When you look at Antonio Brown, though, the other part about suitors, and I'm going to let Diana go, the other part about suitors, suitors is you're not only getting Antonio Brown on the football field. You're signing up for the entire Antonio Brown experience. And that experience comes with a lot. So once you narrow your suitors down and they know that they're narrow, now they have to make sure they feel he's a person that can fit on their team and in their locker room. And that's exactly the point we're trying to make here, Hawk, is the teams know. The Steelers know. (laughs) The Steelers know he can play. But here's where I think A.B. needs to be real careful. There's some desperate teams out there that I think are going to be in the running, like the Washington Redskins, who have an owner who we know has a history of paying big money for big names, a team that doesn't have a quarterback, a team who we're not even sure was going to be the head coach in 2020. There's a lot of confusion and a lot of question marks, and Dan Snyder likes a quick fix. And if you're Antonio Brown, Ryan Clark can speak to this. There is one place you do not want to go. And that is the Washington Redskins at this point where they are. <laughs> a team that hasn't won a playoff game in a, almost 19 years. Why wouldn't you want to go to Washington, Ryan? I stopped it when she was lying. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, when you look at this team just historically under Dan Snyder, they have been about the quick fix. They have, have been about the name. And yep. it hasn't produced wins. And so if you're Antonio Brown, you don't want to go to a place that doesn't have a quarterback, right? They, they're, they're unsure. If they're going to get Alex Smith back, and now you're dealing with an Antonio Brown who loves his target, more importantly, he loves his production, Mm. and he's claiming he wants to win. A non-winning, low-reception Antonio Brown is not a guy you want to deal with, but it's also not a guy he wishes to be, which can be a difficult thing. Bottom line, he's still been able to play on the field, too. Six straight seasons with at least 100 catches for A.B., that is the longest That's why you can't send him to your homeboy in Cleveland. In NFL history. Nope. Hey. That's there. You know what day it is. So for Kyler Murray, he's doubled down his commitment to the NFL. Recently saying ESPN's Jake Trotter, quote, for me, it was something I've known for a while. Murray will attend this week's combine, although it is still unclear if he'll throw. Worth noting, you'll be the first quarterback under six feet taking in the first round in the common draft era. If, in fact, it is where he goes, hard to imagine at this point that he would not. So let's get to overreaction Monday. It reads this. Murray needs to throw at the combine. Needs to throw. Diana, what do you say? That is an overreaction. He does not need to throw to prove anything. We've seen tons of quarterbacks go to the combine, not participate, not throw. There is so much work done on these quarterbacks. There are visits to their home. There's dinners. There's private workouts specifically on a quarterback. We do not need to see Kyler Murray out there throwing at the combine. And there are many out there that think he needs to go out there to throw to show that he loves football, that he really wants to play the game. He wants to play the game. I love your executive voice, oh. by the way. It's very good. <laughs> well, that's why it's so scratchy. It's, it's very good. That, that GM voice. It's very good. It's not like John Elway. Here's good. what I'm paying attention to, though. Here's what I think he does need to do. I do think he needs to show up in these meetings and impress these GMs and owners because they, they, you know they're going to ask them tons of questions. Do you really want to play baseball? Mm-hmm. Do you really want to play football? Yep. I think that's going to be the most important part of the process. Also, the scale. A lot of questions about how much he weighs. A lot of comparisons to Russell Wilson. He weighs about 215 pounds, Russell Wilson. Yep. Kyler Murray weighs 203, 206, some reports say. I'm curious to see I think we, I think we're kind of – this, this, this is an overreaction for me, and I think we're 
kind of get in the way. We're starting to try to like dissect this guy. How much does he weigh? We all know he's not very tall. That's what it's going to show at some point. He's not as tall as everyone else. But I don't believe that he needs to throw. Sam Donald threw last year at USC. He didn't throw at the combine. Of the last 13 guys that have gone first round, though, he is the only one. And the questions Kyler Murray needs to answer, I don't necessarily think he needs to impress the executives and the coaches when he speaks to them. He needs to convince them. They need to be convinced that he is all in on football, win or lose. That he is going to stay out there and die on his shield as a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, but how do you figure that out? What do you say? Well, that's, how badly do you love football? Well, that's why I say it's not an overreaction. That's why I think he throws, not because they need to assess if he can throw. He has a whole year of Heisman trophy-winning game tape to prove that. But executives have not dealt with a player with this kind of leverage before, meaning that he could bail at any time. They have to make sure that he's a part, he's committed to showing that he really wants to play. And you say it doesn't matter. It does because if football doesn't go the way he wants to. He goes to a team that is not very good. They have to feel secure that he is not going to bail on the game and then go to baseball. And by going to the combine, throwing, measuring, running, doing that's, everything, that's not it's true. proven that he's not hitting his let, bet let anymore me tell you, and he's let me all tell you, in. Let me tell you why it's not true. This is why it's not true. Because whether or not he gets on the field to throw could be a business decision, right? Not necessarily that that doesn't show me the content of his heart. Right. That just says he had the right people informing them like Mm -hmm. Hawk, who is very intelligent, who is extremely smart and says, hey, Kyler, you know what? You should throw because if you throw, that might make them think that you're all in to this process. So that's an easy decision to make if that's what you're trying to prove. But if he's all in, if he believes he's going to stay and he wants to go out there and put his best foot forward and he's not prepared now because what he has other than leverage that no other quarterbacks had or no other player has had is this wasn't a guy who got to make the decision before the semifinal game that he was leaving and going to play football and went to train on that Monday, right? He was still taking meetings. He was still doing these things. So he may not be prepared at this time to be the best he can be. And if that's the case, he shouldn't throw. But this isn't – got to give them a little bit of what they want. Like for me, if they line me up and said, hey, Hawk, run a shuttle. I'll run a shuttle all day and tomorrow because I know they're going to get it, see it, and be impressed. He can throw. That's what makes him special. That's why a 5'9 quarterback is being considered in the first round because he does that in his sleep. But Go give still, what if they he want throws, it still them. doesn't mean he's all in. It's if you're saying, if you're saying he has to. But it's he's the, just going, is, he's been waffling too much. With Sam it's too much waffling. He's he not to waffling. Show the First off, waffles are excellent. They are. <laughs> you ain't never looked at a waffle and said, you know what? Because you're waffling, I don't want you. <laughs> right. Nope, you get syrup and butter and you go to town. Yeah. You make him a first-round draft pick. <laughs> waffles. Incredible point. That, you guys made a lot of points right there. <laughs> Ryan finished it off with the exclamation point. There's no such thing as too much waffling. Never. I think we can all agree waffle on Waffle House that. is so a great go. place. So Russell Wilson's 5'11", 216. <laughs> if he is, in fact, bulked up to 206, like everybody's saying, we'll see how that changes perhaps team's opinion. So if Murray does ultimately throw, you'll be able to catch that 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern. That'll be on ABC for our combine coverage. We'll be live from the Scouting Combine. That'll basically start Wednesday and go through the end of the week with NFL Live as well. You can have a special quarterback coverage, all their workouts beginning Wednesday, NFL Live. It'll be an indie. I'm pretty sure our new house might be haunted. What makes you say that? The furniture is levitating. Oh, and the ghost. Welcome home. Yeah, that's that's spooky. You know what's really scary? Missing out on GEICO for help with homeowners and renters insurance. GEICO makes it easy to save a bunch. Great. Uh, you're not sticking around, right? The party's just getting started. <laughs> Happy geico Call today and see how easy homeowners and renters insurance can be. Alrighty, we are back. The Steelers have laid down parameters for an AB trade partner in its simplest form. Here's how it would look. All AFC North teams would be excluded. New England as well because, frankly, they kind of run the AFC. And Steelers GM Kevin Colbert also left the door cracked open for a highest offer situation. We know for sure whoever makes the offer expects business to be booming. How's business? Booming. Every time he scores a touchdown, another one. And he's not going to stop scoring touchdowns. Touchdown, Pittsburgh! Wow! Wherever you at, you always got to grow. The battle of growth is never ending. Our motivation slogan towards growing is keeping business booming. And whatever business you're in or whatever you're doing. Hey, yo, Antonio Brown, how's business? I know it's booming. 
Despite the 2018 season being high drama for A.B. and Big Ben, the chemistry on the field has been there. A.B.'s caught more than two-thirds of all targets from Roethlisberger, and their 74 touchdowns are the second most by a quarterback-receiver duo since 2010. Brown has never caught a touchdown from any other quarterback in his NFL career, but he doesn't seem too worried about that one. So given the Steelers' parameters, we have removed the Patriots and all of the AFC North, but everybody else is still in play here. Time for a shot at business with AB, something we call boom or bust. We'll pull a team out. You'll pull your team out. Mm-hmm. You'll decide if it's an AB rocket ship situation or a bust <laughs> destination. So we'll start with Hawk. You're up first. Go ahead. All right, here we go. Get it open. There we go. Get it. I like that you looked boom. away. There we go. We got the – if I can figure this out. Leave it over. Yeah. Leave it over. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, yeah, we got this one time we'll Seattle Seahawks. This is a, mm. a plus. Now, I know on the onset it seems like Russell Wilson would be a good situation for A.B. That is not the case. Here's why. There's a such thing as a quarterback being too good, and that's what Russell Wilson is. He spreads the ball around. He reads defenses. He understands offensive and schematic football, which means there's not enough balls for Antonio Brown in that mm. offense. So this is a bust. Ooh, I like it. Why that you did that? Nice. I was thinking I like a Pete Carroll personality See? with an AB. Nice. And there's just too many personalities in too Seattle. Many. That locker room's already got enough. Pick. All right, right. What think, do you got? Can I look and get one? Just I grab. Think that no, much look, the purpose. That, she, that defeats the purpose. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, you I was get? trying to cheat. The Cardinals. Oh. And this is a boom. Here's why. Wow. Josh Rosen. See, that's what you're always assuming. Don't assume, because here's what they're going to do. Uh-huh. First, they're going to trade out of the first pick, right? And then they're going to get multiple oh. first-round picks. Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? So once they get multiple, whether it be this year or next year, they're going to trade back. And who are they going to get to be the quarterback, Hulk? Kyler yeah. Murray. Right? Kingsbury, he loves him. Yep. That's his guy. Murray that's who they want. Guess who was throwing fade balls already this offseason? Kyler Murray and A.B. This is the spot. Larry Fitzgerald, you got Kirk, you got a running back in Johnson that can play, and now you have Kyler Murray and A.B. Now, there's a lot of problems that need to be fixed on this team, but that problem will be fixed on offense. All right, what about organizationally, though, right? You're going to need a club that is going to be able to handle all this off-the-field hey, drama that we're seeing. Is, man, it, it never rains out there. Can it's you, always clean. Can you play that online, just, too? That just makes people happy. <laughs> Good question. Can he play a lot? We're just going to throw it all over the place. <laughs> I just, air it out. I still think you buried, you buried <laughs> Who's the, the coach? Air <laughs> You buried the lead there because you have Arizona taking Kyler Murray when everyone's saying that's not what they're doing. That was, that's what they're doing. <laughs> if they get AB. Any help? Clearly, I'm the one that, helped, that yeah, knows you, how to you, do this. You're the Banner White of this <laughs> oh. operation. The New Orleans Saints. Oh, okay. Mm. Now, this one I'm interested oh. in. So they pay Michael Thomas Listen, in that case. You're in the Dome a lot. I like it. I like it. And here's why. They've been looking for another receiver to help Michael Thomas out. They haven't been able to figure it out. Drew Brees still has another year or two. I think Sean Payton is an absolute offensive genius who can figure out a way not only to get A.B. the ball, but I think he can handle him. I think that he can deal with a personality like that. And listen, there is something special about that New Orleans Saints team. There is no star that is too big. Those guys all get along really well. And I actually think that could be a good fit. I think I just... So, so, hang on, hang on. You want to put him in a place where everybody already gets along really well. <laughs> so you basically walk in as an outsider. Right, you walk into a, a, a they organization took a on Dez. who've yep. been. They had Dez come in there. We all said, "Oh, I don't know about Dez." They took, stuff they took a being said with Dez. Right? They and took a chance on Dez for two weeks. But here, quickly, would yeah, you still pay Michael Thomas? Really. You got to pay Michael, Michael Thomas. Maybe the highest paid receiver in football. In that case, do you move on and go AV? Well, they mm. don't. I don't think obviously they don't have the cap space to. We'll, do, we'll AB, do that a little later. Yeah, we'll talk. All right, about go ahead, Hall. We got another one here. The Buffalo Bills. That is a buff. I don't think Antonio Brown wants to be in Buffalo. I don't think Buffalo. Did <laughs> you see him there? I, I'm, like, this is a, a hard pass, hard stop here. Not even close. Not even consideration. There are so many things that need to be figured out in Buffalo. Adding Antonio Brown to that equation is a disaster waiting to happen. All right, so there you go. We, we can tell you this about A.B. Since entering the NFL in 2010, A.B. leads the NFL in receptions and receiving yards and trails only Gronk like in that. touchdown catches. So talk all you want about the talk. The dude can straight up play. 
All right. Oscar Day. Smooth night last night for the King of Queen. All right, here we go. Somebody help me out if I'm messing with his name. Rami Malek now holds the crown for Best Actor. So in honor of Hollywood's biggest night, it is time for NFL Live Awards. We know who won the League Awards, but now it's time to put it up to our Academy. Ladies and gentlemen, here are your nominees for Best Actor. Up first, Mr. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is up for the 40-year-old quarterback. (laughs) Brady took home his record-setting sixth Super Bowl ring earlier this month and became the first starting quarterback in his 40s to win the Super Bowl. In the process, our next nominee is Drew Brees in the heist. (laughs) Brees was this close to reaching his second Super Bowl, but had the NFC Championship stolen from him by a missed pass interference call on Rams cornerback Roby Coleman. And how about Andrew Luck in the comeback? Luck bounced all the way back from a shoulder injury that cost him the entire 2017 season, passing 39 touchdowns. The only player who threw more is our final candidate, and MVP, Patrick Mahomes, starring in A Star is Born. In his first year as a starter, Mahomes joined Peyton Manning as the only players to pass for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards in a season. Not too bad for year one as the man. Okay, so All who right. are we going to go with? Do we have this little card? Do we have the little? Well, I got to do like we the. Got, uh, I know, so there's our nominees. Oh, yeah. Do, oh, you do have them. Oh, Let's go on. to the best. I wish I was wearing a gown. The best lead man, <laughs> best star. Who do you have, Diana? <laughs> A lot of people were wearing gowns yesterday, man. Yeah. Most yeah. um, so I got the best actor, but I, before I open it, I want to tell you why I didn't go with the other ones, the losers. Patrick Mahomes, just, I thought it was a good movie. It was a good first debut, but I, I want to see what else he can do. Is he going to be it's like Shay? Is he going to be like Shayla LaBeouf, right? He had like one good hit, and then no, it's like Midnight what Society. Else? Has he every done? time you watch it, hasn't done that many, okay. right? Um, and the Drew Brees heist. I seen that like last year. I saw it, you know? Okay. So I went with Andrew Luck and this beautiful. I hope he keeps this card and puts it all over his desk or in his locker <laughs> because he's beautiful. Uh, and the reason why I think, listen, we've been on the show so many times together, guys, talking about when is Andrew Luck going to come back? We were so excited that day he was throwing high school sized footballs, remember? But was the trailer better than the movie? No. We, no. I will speak for myself. I never quit that Andrew Luck is one of the top talents in football. And he went out this year after all the issues with his shoulders, and he put together a fantastic season. I just need, a, I need the, a more compelling leading actor. I need I need somebody you, to get me interested. I mean, oh, it's just not fun. Production's boring to you? You're not seeing the film. Is it just too boring? All, all those guys are see if we can get a, just a, a little side man that's going to get him interested. Let's go, let's go to the uh, supporting Andrew role if we can. This is Todd Gurley. The film Almost Champions. Gurley led the NFL with 21 <laughs> touchdowns in the regular season. A knee injury limited him to 45 rushing yards in the Rams' last two playoff games as L.A. came up short of the title. Rookie Blue featured running back Saquon Barkley, who joined his teammate Odell Beckham Jr. as the only Giants to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Barkley was dangerous leading the NFL with more than 2,000 scrimmage yards. Next up, Robbie G. Rob Gronkowski and Yo Soy Fiesta. Because no one loves the party like my man Robbie G. You see him right there. What, a, what an unbelievable parade he had. Historic, really. The tight end got to celebrate that Super Bowl victory, which was his third not too long ago. And last, we have Nick Foles in The Hangover. Foles had Eagles fans everywhere feeling like 2017 all over again, winning four straight games, including the wild card at Chicago after Carson Wentz went down again. So who is our best supporting actor well, based on our academy, Go ahead. based on the academy, it was my determination that Todd Gurley and Saquon Barkley are actually the stars of the show, so they couldn't win supporting actor. Mm. Gronk, although close, but no cigar. These best supporting actor goes to Mr. Nick Foles wow. in The Hangover. This is a guy who, again, <laughs> although he came into the to the public, he was a second thought, but both years in the first one and the sequel, he was a star. He is Zach Galifianakis <laughs> to Carson Wentz's Bradley Cooper because, yes, Bradley Cooper is the name, but this is the guy who actually was the star and the reason why it was such a hit. Mm-hmm. All right. I actually have no arguments to that. And they, le- they left him on the roof. It's incredible take. So. They, right. they left Nick Let's go to the, the best director then. We have, we have got to get to the uh, the man in charge. Let's go to the best director, a.k.a. the best coach. And our first nominee is Frank Reich, who is going to be starring in The Replacement. Reich may not have been an Indy's first choice for head coach, but after Josh McDaniels spurned the Colts, Reich swooped in, led them back to the playoffs. Sean McVay directed a beautiful mind. 
otherwise known as the Rams offense. LA averaged nearly 33 points per game, rolling over defenses at will. Well, at least until the Super Bowl, where McVay, of course, ran into Belichick. Bill Belichick, how about Bill? In the boy in the hood, the hooded one won his sixth <laughs> title as the Patriots tied the record for fewest points allowed in a Super Bowl. Belichick now has two more Super Bowl wins than any head coach. And last, Matt Nagy directed the Bad News Bears. Nagy led the Bears to their first playoff appearance since 2010 and won Coach of the Year. Chicago improved from 29th to ninth in scoring offense under Nagy. So who is the hey man, director? I ain't about all this suspense. If I can get this out of here, I'm going to let y'all know. It's Bill Belichick. And here's why. Just like John Singleton, he went out there with furious styles at quarterback. Tom Brady, an old dude, but he was ready to ball. And we saw what he was able to get done in the playoffs against Kansas City and against the Chargers. And then at running back, obviously they had Ricky, Sony, Michelle. Five touchdowns in the AFC, in the AFC playoffs. Shows up in the, in the Super Bowl to end the game. Four minute offense. They couldn't stop him from getting first downs and they get a field goal. And then on the other side, Gilmore, Gilmore, they had Doughboy. And y'all know Doughboy was about that action. Moms was mad at Doughboy. Ricky was mad at Doughboy. Everybody was mad at Doughboy. But when it came time to do what he had to do, Ice Cube did it. So John Singleton, Bill Belichick, the boy in the hood. We need to call him the man in the hood because he got six and ain't nobody close. He's the best actor in the game. So welcome in to the Verizon film room now. So we see something rare here with Michael Thomas. He's decided to change agents midway through a monster contract year. The change is said to have come after a, quote, difference of opinions. Thomas will stay with Athletes First but has named a new man in charge. Let's get straight into this Michael Thomas stuff. Welcome out of the Verizon Film Room. <clears throat> Diana, let's start here with the Saints. What are their top priorities you're hearing through this offseason? Well, we know during the free agency period, there's a lot of confusion. There's uncertainties. There's one thing that's been made certain to me, and that's the New Orleans Saints want to get this deal done. Michael Thomas wants to stay in New Orleans. It is something that they are making a priority down in Louisiana to make sure this deal comes together. Uh, you know, the Saints, if you look at the history, they actually don't really have a big history of paying specialists. The last specialist they paid uh, was Jimmy Graham, where they, they threw a lot of money at him. Uh, but in terms of their comfort level, they're hoping to strike a number, strike a deal that's comfortable with the club. And what Michael Thomas is looking for, and we know Michael Thomas is looking for a very, very big payday. So, so, Hawk, what makes, in your eye, in your mind's eye, what makes this man, talking about Thomas, worth the money? Yeah, there's two things. Number one is his mentality. The way he approaches the game, everyone on that team and that offense, they feed off him. Number two, he has incredible hands and an incredible catch radius, and he's with the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. He's not super explosive, not super straight-line speed guy. Routes aren't impeccable. Separation isn't really anything to, you know, say on the grand scheme of NFL receivers that he's the best. But, again, he catches the ball better than any receiver in the league and possibly over the last decade or so. Couple that with Drew Brees putting it right where it needs to be. They're kind of an unstoppable tandem. Yeah, I think when he was coming out, you understood he needed to be in the right situation, the right system. And to be with one of the more of the most accurate quarterback in NFL history helps. When you watch Michael Thomas, he makes combat catches. He turns it into a mm-hmm. fist fight at the line. He is more physical than his defender, and that can carry you throughout seasons and throughout a career. Other than DeAndre Hopkins, to me, I've watched him make more combat catches than I've seen any other receiver make over the last two or three years. And so Michael Thomas is a pure number one. He's a guy that's going to earn his money. He's a guy that deserves to get the big payday. And in terms of what he brings to the locker room, I remember talking to players on the Saints right before the NFC Championship game, getting specifics from the offensive line, from other receivers. What What is it about Michael Thomas? We can see it on tape, but what's he like behind the scenes? And, you know, one of the receivers said, you know, every single practice, when we're supposed to be going through, let's say, walkthrough, jogging, the guy's running and sprinting. I kind of hate him because of it, but at the right. same time, he sets the standard in New Orleans of how these guys should work, and that's why I know Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, they want to pay this guy. And just quickly fit to be paid the highest of any receiver in the NFL? Well, you, you know how it works. You rotate around yeah. to your turn. Whenever he's the up. next guy up. He's the next guy in that top five conversation. He's going to get that type of money. And there the most go. epic yep. celebration with the cell phone. Come on. It was pretty. He's <laughs> had 321 career receptions, which is by far the most most of any player through their first three seasons wow. in NFL history. So this guy, the performances he's been putting on, it is historic. 
Welcome back with breaking news on NFL Live. You know by now Patriots owner Robert Kraft is facing two counts of soliciting another to commit prostitution. Police said there is video of Kraft inside a Palm Beach County massage parlor. A spokesperson for Kraft said they categorically deny that Mr. Kraft engaged in any illegal activity. So for more on the story, let's listen in now to Palm Beach County State Attorney is Dave Ehrenberg just moments ago. On Friday, February 22nd, the Jupiter Police Department gave us case filing packets stemming from their prostitution sting. After review by our intake prosecutors, we are charging 25 individuals with soliciting another to commit prostitution. Is there any reason to believe that Robert Kraft would be treated any differently than these other 25, 24 men? And I can assure you that our office treats everyone the same, whether you have a lot of money or you are indigent. We treat all defendants the same, and no one gets any special justice in Palm Beach County. Well, it's hard to say because the investigators are the Jupiter Police, and then you have the Martin County Sheriff's Department, you have Vero Beach. This is a multi-county effort, and so it's hard to say uh, if there are more arrests based on their investigations. But I was asked earlier today about rumors about bigger fish, and I, uh, I said that that would be news to me. And uh, I also added that, you know, it's hard for me to talk about rumors, especially false ones. Kraft was charged by the Jupiter police with two counts in this uh, arrest. Is this the arrest affidavit, probable cause affidavit? Are you charging him with two counts, or is it consolidated into one? No, there are two, there are two cases there. There are two counts. Two misdemeanors? Correct. Hey, did your office decided to go from a second-degree misdemeanor to a first-degree misdemeanor. What was it about the facts that decided to up it to what is the, the most that you could do in this case? Well, all the cases are being charged as first-degree misdemeanors under the tougher Florida statute. And one reason why that decision was made was because that statute has a mandatory 100 hours of community service, a mandatory $5,000 fine, and a mandatory class on the dangers of prostitution and human trafficking, not to mention a potential for an increased jail t- sentence from 60 days to a year. If there were multiple homes uh, here and up in Massachusetts, California, would he be given the capius or a summons? How would you uh, deal with... There was a question whether or not Mr. Kraft lived here in Palm Beach County, and I believe we decided to. it, it was a summons, so he does have a residence there, so he'd be receiving a summons. So he's receiving mugshots. Oh, the question is, mugshots, when you get a summons in the mail, uh, it, it generally you do not get a mugshot. Now, remember, that's up to the police department. It's not up to us. It's up to the local law enforcement agency. Has the other agencies... Has already been sent that summons? His attorney has been provided the summons. His attorney has been provided the summons. The other agencies made a really big deal about putting their mugshots and their driver's license out, uh, pictures out, and you guys are handling that a little bit differently here. Do you feel like, are you happy with the way it's being handled? I think that law enforcement has done an excellent job. They've been very professional and very thorough. And also, they've helped steer the conversation away from any one particular defendant, from any group of defendants, towards the evil of human trafficking. It's about time the country has a real conversation about human trafficking, which is modern-day slavery in our midst. This is not about lonely old men or victimless crimes. This is about enabling a, a network of criminals to traffic women into our country for forced labor and sex. How did you come up with these 25 people charged? Aren't there a lot more passing through the parlor? Well, those are the ones charged by the Jupiter Police Department. My jurisdiction is only for Palm Beach County. And by the way, when I talk about human trafficking, I'm talking about the general subject of human trafficking, the larger picture. There is no allegation that any of the defendants were involved with human trafficking. They are not being charged as such. But instead of talking about a particular defendant, I'd like to make the conversation broader because this country needs to have a a reality check on what's going on out there when it comes to forced labor and forced sexual conduct. When did you first hear about this? Well, our prosecutors have been involved in this for some time. It's hard to pinpoint when. I've I've been aware of it for a while. When you first heard that this was happening, you know, in your county? I've been involved in fighting human trafficking for a while, so nothing surprises me. I give a lot of speeches on it. I'm on the Attorney General's statewide task force for human trafficking. So when this came across my desk, I was not surprised. I'm not surprised about the defendants. Defendants in these matters come from every socioeconomic group, uh, and it's just a reality of the times we live in. 
What do you think needs to be done on the supply side of this business in order to stop the problem of human trafficking? That's a good question. What should be done on the supply side to stop human trafficking? Well, the laws are in place, but I think we need to do better about encouraging victims to speak up because victims don't know that there are services available to them. They don't know that they could get their criminal records expunged or obtain a special visa to remain in this country. So if we would uh, treat victims in this matter as victims and not as criminals, I think that you would uh, gain the trust of more individuals to speak up on these matters. Because right now, you know, a lot of them come from countries where the police are not their friends. And so they need to know that we're here to help them and treat them as the victims that they are. Terry? Palm Beach County has a lot of similar enterprise-type businesses and have for years. I know I've reported on it as long ago as 15 years ago, but yet they seem to operate almost like in plain sight. What are you doing as state attorney? You say you've been focusing on human trafficking, but are you telling the police departments, hey, in your jurisdictions, you need to like look at these places and set up students? Our human trafficking task force works with law enforcement to root out the human trafficking, whether at the storefront or on the Internet. A lot of it occurs on the Internet. Facebook is a very popular site used by human traffickers to recruit and groom potential victims. So we're working on them on a daily basis. But, you know, there's a high burden of proof. We prosecutors can only file cases that reach the level of a burden of proof that we can obtain beyond a reasonable doubt. And so these cases are long in the making, but we hope that sometimes some of them can make a big enough splash to send a message to the rest of the country. Our human trafficking task force uh, works with the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security. So far, are the victims in this case cooperating? What's the... Uh, 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 the victim, well, that's up to the investigators. They're working with victims on it. I can't say much on uh, the status of that. Well, what's the threshold of evidence needed to charge in, in these cases, right. specifically to Robert Kraft's situation? Police can charge based on probable cause. Is it more probable than not that a crime has occurred? Our standard is higher. For prosecutors to charge, we have to have a good faith belief that we can get a conviction beyond a reasonable doubt. It's a higher burden. And it's why sometimes you will see that police will charge in some cases, and then we will decide not to file charges. And that's why we're having this press conference, because we've made the decision that enough evidence exists to file charges in all 25 of these cases. All walks of life, what would you say about speculation that someone like Kraft was targeted as a result of his celebrity or his fame? Yeah, I, I don't understand how someone could be targeted. Uh, you look at all the defendants in this matter, they come from all walks of life. Uh, there's uh, rich, poor, there's young and old. So I, I don't believe anyone was targeted for whom they are. Yes, sir. Uh, David, Dennis uh, Dennis David, yeah. Dennis yeah. from CBS, two parts. If yeah. the women are considered victims, does the video evidence affect the usage as a prosecutor's tool? Is that a, does the video of the victims affect your use of that in, in the proceedings? It shouldn't. The, uh, the individuals involved were working with them, and I can't speak more about it as far as the, the victims to gain more information, but it should not affect our ability to use video ultimately if we need to in court. Well, the video evidence is always very powerful in a court of law. Uh, you also uh, have, you know, the testimony of some of the victims. I know that in uh, many cases like this, there are language barriers and there are interpreters needed, and there's also a trust factor that must be gained. So we're working on all those things. More specifics about those women and how they got here. How about this? Um, let's say, Karen, then I'll take you. I, I'll get you next. Yes, sir. Is there any possibility that those who have been charged can somehow plea this away to a lesser charge? Well, there are diversion programs available. There are classes available. So just because the mandatory penalty is up to a year in jail doesn't mean someone's going to get that. If it goes to trial, it's up to a judge, and you look at the person's background. First-time offenders are very unlikely to get you know, significant jail time. So you know, there are, depending on the plea, depending on the background, depending on the conduct, these are all considerations that come into play. So your office is open to plea of a lesser charge by those who've been charged? Well, we don't talk about the status. That's, that goes into uh, too much detail that I can talk about this time. Yes, sir. If you, if you can, can you talk a little bit about the, the women? Kind of, how did they get here? Bring us through the, their, their story of how they got from wherever they were to where they were. Yeah, that would be for the Jupiter Police Department. Uh, 
I say in cases like this, and I talk about it in generalities because I can't speak to the specific evidence. I can't talk about where they came from or how we broke this case because that could jeopardize any potential prosecutions. So let's just say that in cases like this, it is not uncommon for women to be lured into this country under false pretenses with the promise of a better life, a high-paying job, only to be stuck in squalor in a brothel or a sweatshop where they're forced to perform labor or sex acts for money. Can you clarify how this process works for Robert Kraft? You said you determined he is a resident of Palm Beach County. You're issued him a summons. Does that mean he has to appear in court, or can he send an attorney to appear in court? Yes. So... Uh, if it's a summons, so he does not have to make a public court appearance. So he can send an attorney to appear? Correct. Can you clarify one or two charges? Two charges. Two charges. Yes, sir. How important is the cooperation and testimony from the women involved uh, relative to the, to the case? How, how important is the cooperation? Is the cooperation and the testimony from the women involved? Well, if it goes to trial, their testimony obviously could be helpful, but you know, if there's video evidence, that also is very powerful evidence. But I don't want to talk specifically to the evidence, but in general, video, eyewitness testimony are all uh, important for any trial. So Palm Beach County has gotten some heat recently for how they treat the rich and famous when they come through the criminal justice system. Now, I know Jeffrey Epstein did not happen under watch at all. That was three administrations ago. Do you want to talk about, uh, you know, set the record straight now, how are you handling it? What choices are you deliberately making to send a clear message here? Yes, well, Florida voters pass into our Constitution something called Marcy's Law, which is the Victim's Bill of Rights. So we have already had a training session for all our prosecutors, and we are adhering to Marcy's Law. And as someone who campaigned for Marcy's Law, it's really important to all of us. We must let the victims' voices be heard. Um, if if uh, Mr. Kraft were found guilty and has to complete that mandatory program, that's here in Palm Beach County, that he would have to do the 100 hours? Correct. Correct. Well, it, it also depends on the court. They, they, it depends on the judge and the, and the court, they, whether they make an arrangement. Uh, but that would be largely out of our hands. The, the judge imposes the sentence. Now, if there's a plea, then we have a lot more to say in it. But this is all speculation at this point. It's still early. Happen? Were they just checking for whether the counters were clean or looking for something more? You know, uh, Al Johnson and I work on uh, Sober Homes Task Force, and when it came to uh, drug treatment centers, we were often frustrated that the uh, inspections that occurred were just to see if the fire extinguishers were working. So we upgraded the laws to help increase the uh, inspections and the demands for what, uh, and maybe that's something that needs to be done here too. Maybe there should be increased scrutiny. And when TSP workers are told to look for human trafficking victims, it seems like a government worker inside, you know, working for the state or county might have the same. Yeah, you know, there's 328 million Americans and there are about 800,000 law enforcement officers. So it's up to all of us to be the eyes and ears to protect against human trafficking. Because a lot of this stuff occurs in plain sight. You know, it's like the nail salon worker who is living in the back room and who's not allowed to handle money and is afraid to look at you in the eye. If you see something, say something. And maybe that's the good that can come out of all this. Maybe we'll have a new understanding of what human trafficking is and what it isn't. We can have last questions, please. Practically speaking, what does it mean for Kraft to be charged with two misdemeanors relative to everybody else who only has one? Well, it meant that there were two different occurrences uh, in which he's being charged. I mean, as far as his case, as far as his case now sort of going through the legal system now? It's, it's just what it is that instead of one charge or two, there are two counts, and so he faces two separate counts and have to satisfy those counts uh, with a plea and move on from there. It could. Okay, so let, let's welcome in. There's a lot to unpack there, obviously. Let's welcome in Michelle Steele right now, who is live from Jupiter. Michelle, what are some of your biggest takeaways from what you just heard, what you've been hearing throughout the course of the day? Yeah, well, you know what, Jack, the biggest takeaway is that we finally have the details of what happened, when it happened, where it happened, and who was involved. And it is indisputable. His name here, even surreal to me to me now to be, uh, to be saying it, Robert Kraft identified on two separate dates on January 19th. They even have the time. This is how really painstaking this investigation was. There was a police officer surveilling everybody coming in 
everybody coming out. So on January 19th, for instance, according to the probable cause affidavit, Robert Kraft went into the Orchids of Asia spa at 16.45 military time, of course, that's 4.45 p.m. The next day, he was there again on January 20th. Now, as we all know, that was the same date of the AFC Championship game. Now, that game wasn't on until night, but then he went back to the spa at uh, 10.59 a.m. in the morning. So we do have some more details. I'm not going to get into them, quite frankly, because they are quite graphic. Uh, He is going to be charged with two first-degree misdemeanors, like I mentioned in your program earlier, the only one of the 25 men in Jupiter, Florida, who will be charged not once but twice with two counts of these first-degree misdemeanors for soliciting of prostitutes inside the Orchids of Asia Day Spa. One more thing I do want to mention The prosecutor said, now, one, he said Robert Kraft was not targeted because he's a celebrity or he's the owner of the Patriots or he's uh, got a lot of influence, fame and fortune, all that. Everybody is treated the same under the law. That's why, you know, he didn't knock off a count. He's actually being charged with those two counts. The second thing is that um, the reason that they feel comfortable charging him with these two counts is because they feel they can prove beyond a reasonable doubt. those That is the operative phrase here, that it was Robert Kraft affirmatively who went into Orchids of Asia Day Spa and who will now uh, be subject to these charges of soliciting prostitution inside that day spa. And the last thing I'm going to mention here is that Dave Ehrenberg, the, the um, state attorney in, in Palm Beach County, He said, look, this is not about lonely old men. There is a larger investigation here of which Robert Kraft is a small part, but a part nonetheless into human trafficking and prostitution in South Florida. By the way, there is video proof of all this as well. TBD on whether it will be released. My my suspicions are his attorneys will argue for it not to be. Jack? Michelle Steele, great stuff and a lot of new information there uh, from the press conference and, and your reporting today. That's a lot. Uh, that's, that's a lot of new yeah. stuff there. What, what, what's, your, what's your number one reaction to what we just heard and what we've been hearing throughout the day? Well, I'm obviously not a lawyer, but I, I thought that the second degree misdemeanor, I thought that's what he was going to be charged with, but the fact that they upped it to first degree tells me how seriously they're taking this. And Michelle alluded to it, how much evidence they actually have. Uh, you heard Michelle, and I'm even looking at the affidavit myself here of the dates. Um, not only did he visit, according to police, uh, that spa the morning of the AFC championship game, but if you may recall, he was also celebrating the 25th anniversary of owning the New England Patriots that weekend. And to just think about that this was part of his process, according to police, it really makes it really real now that we could see uh, you know, all the details here. Um, you know, you heard the prosecutor talk about the first degree misdemeanor conviction, mandatory 100 hours of community service, a $5,000 fine. So this is how the Palm Beach County is going to handle this. And of course, the next step is going to be what the, what the NFL is going to do, how they're going to handle this. He has an April 24th court appearance. He doesn't have to actually be present there. Of course, the 24th is the day before the NFL draft. Uh, obviously, distraction that this New England Patriot organization does not want. But now that that affidavit is out there and it is public, uh, not only is it just such a blemish on this New England Patriots organization, but I'm assuming quite embarrassing for, for Robert Kraft at this moment. Okay, and we'll come back. There's, there's a lot more to come on this. I want to hear what else you're hearing from other people around the league. Yep. Press coverage right now, breaking from our Adam Schefter, Ravens-informed veteran wide receiver Michael Crabtree, that he is being released today. Per source. Let's get Ryan Clark in on this. Ryan, what, what's your reaction to this news today from Chef? Well, obviously you go out and you get Michael Crabtree in the offseason, but then you look at the way that this offense was rolling with Lamar Jackson. It wasn't really a pass-happy offense. He had a case of the drops this season. Willie Sneed and John Brown both outplayed him. And they have some tight ends that's made some plays for Lamar Jackson, which I think is what he'll utilize more 
inside the numbers, inside the hash, kind of passing the ball in the middle of the field rather than outside. They felt like Crabtree was expendable. I mean, the reality was he didn't play up to the number they were playing. They have younger guys that they can kind of invest into and actually perform better than Crabtree. When you mm-hmm. get that age, they are looking for big number, big production. They viewed this as a signing that would help get them over the hump. It did not do that. They're building around Lamar Jackson. Michael Crabtree is not a part of those plans. They need to get more receiver help at this point. What do you think? What should, what should the Baltimore well, Ravens do? I think, I think it depends on the way that you're going. You watch John Brown stretch the field last year. Willie Sneed made huge plays on third down. And this is a rushing attack. It's going to be about protecting Lamar Jackson. One read. He needs to give a fake and get the ball out of his hand, much mm-hmm. like R, uh, RG3 did early on in his career in Washington under the Shanahan's. If they can do that, you don't necessarily need top-notch outside wide receivers. I know by Ryan Clark's rules it's not a, a case, but there's a, a Pittsburgh wide receiver that they, I'm sure, it's would be going at to happen not to bring the ball. I will say this. It's a good place to send him if you don't want him to get a ton of catches because they're not throwing the ball a whole lot. Very true. What's the best kind of weapon for a guy like Lamar Jackson? If you're building the team, who do you want to surround him with to give him the best chance for success? Honestly, the best type of – is he's actually spoken about – going somewhere with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a second-play type guy, mm-hmm. someone who can extend the play. Exactly. If you could get an A-B or a guy who understands how to uncover from coverage, that would be the type of wide receiver you need. You don't necessarily need a guy who is going to beat people with the first route. You need someone who understands scramble drills, getting mm-hmm. open, and being a quarterback-friendly wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about being off script. That's mm-hmm. how Lamar plays. That's how A-B plays. He needs a, a wide receiver similar that as he matures as a quarterback – he has someone that can bail him out. That's what Antonio Brown would bring to the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. So hopefully they'll get a more wide receiver importantly, like that. More importantly for Lamar Jackson, it's about what the play caller does. Yeah. How do they Very help true. him progress as a quarterback? How does he get better from the pocket? And also, which ways do you utilize him and the offense? That will be key for Lamar Jackson's success. Yep. And receivers getting open will obviously help him a little bit too because those yeah, throws absolutely. are a little bit easier. We come back, we have a whole bunch of new information right now on Robert Kraft. We will get that to you. On the other side of the break, NFL Live on the way back. Michelle Steele right now is with Palm Beach County State Attorney Dave Ehrenberg. Michelle? It's hard to say that any one person is being targeted when there have been 25 arrests. These are people from all walks of life, all socioeconomic statuses. So... It is crazy to think that we're targeting one person when Mr. Kraft got caught up in the midst of a larger sting that netted hundreds of people through many different counties. Misdemeanors will rarely result in actual jail time for people with a clean record, but you never know what could happen. It's up to a court if it goes to trial. But uh, usually when cases like this, you have diversion programs and other ways to... Uh, dispose of the case, but it's up to uh, the defense, it's up to our prosecutors, and ultimately the sentence is up to the judge. Okay, so welcome back to NFL Live. Let's, let's go first to you, Diana. What, what's your reaction from what you heard right there with Michelle and what you heard at the yeah. press conference just moments ago? Well, they certainly mean business down there in, in Palm Beach County right now as, as you know, we're talking about first-degree misdemeanor charges. We thought it would be second-degree. They opted up for, for, for Robert Kraft. He has to appear in court. He actually doesn't have to. His attorney can on April 24th. It's the day before the draft. And the affidavit has tons of details of what happened. They obviously set up a sting for months. And, you know, it's obviously a little odd and, and a little weird and strange, all the words you could use to describe that, you know, Robert Kraft, allegedly, according to this police report, went to the spa the morning of the AFC championship game before he flew on his private plane, probably out to Kansas City, where they went on to, again, you know, win later that day. They were also celebrating the 25th anniversary uh, as owners, that being the Kraft family uh, of the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, right now, I think the league is watching closely. I'm curious to see how they're going to handle this, if they're going to suspend them, how many games if they're going to find him, obviously this is the first time we've ever seen an owner get involved in a situation like this at this point. And, Diana, just quickly, if you can, just tell me what you're hearing from other, others around the league, organizations, owners. What are you hearing elsewhere? I spoke with one owner in the league about it. This was before the affidavit came out. And he said of the other situation that the Patriots were involved in, Deflategate, Spygate, 
that he believed that this was the worst one, despite the fact that it has nothing to do with football. And his thought was that it just, it's a blemish on a man that is considered to be the greatest owner in football, in the history of the game. Mm-hmm. And he puts himself I, yeah, out there. But I, th- I think we're, we're totally confusing owning a team with the way that we conduct ourselves away from business. Right. And to be more surprised about this than them cheating, I mean, that you can't really get into all of that. But it's about letting this situation play out, getting all of the facts, everything that we need to know, and then the NFL getting those same things so they can make a declaration on what happened. Yeah, it's, a, it's a black eye at an opportune time. No doubt. Mm-hmm. And we will do all of, all of what you said and bring any new information we have to you tomorrow on NFL Live, 1.30 Eastern Time. Thanks for watching.